1: Good to see you. Uh, Hey, so if you are new and you were just joining us, you came in on a doozy of a morning, let me tell you. You picked a good one. Actually, you, you hopped into the middle of one of the coolest things that I believe that we do as a church. So you've hopped into Amplify Weekend. And it's been my privilege over the last couple of days to run hard after Jesus with our middle school and high school students. And we've been running hard, haven't we guys? Yeah, it's been a crazy, crazy weekend. It's been good. Uh, but basically what I'm telling you, if you're in this room and you haven't been a part of Amplify Weekend yet, one, welcome. Uh, and then number two, you are kind of on this wave that is mid-curl and you just need to hold on because we're gonna keep going. That's kind of how it goes. Like you, we're, we're just going for it today. Uh, And so we are, we're glad that you are here this morning. It's been a fun and wild ride all weekend long. And the theme of this weekend has been venture. And we've kind of used Psalm 139 as our launch pad to talk about some different things about God. It's been our launch pad to learn about the wonder of who God is, about seeing him rightly and responding to him accordingly. And then also as we understand a wonder of who God is, we've seen that he draws us into this adventure of faith where we learn that there is, or we discover there is this incredible gospel truth that we have a God who has an unfathomable love for us. And today we're learning how those three things, how the wonder about God, how the adventure of faith and how the discovery of the gospel drive us forward with an almost volcanic force into passion. It's what we'll see the psalmist describes in verse 24 as the way everlasting, and we're just going to dive right in. You guys good with that? All right, so the students are good with it. Room, hello, everybody. Are you awake today? These guys went to bed at like 3 a.m. Come on, be with me today. Be with me. All right, so we're gonna dive right in. Let's look at the text. We're gonna be in verses 17 through 24. We're mainly hanging in 23 and 24, but we'll start with verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. See, these verses, these two verses here point us to this wonder of who God is. A God who is always with us. The psalmist continues in verse 19 Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O oh God. O oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. I do, do I not hate those who hate you, O oh Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them. My enemies. See, while the psalmist uses some pretty intense language here, this these verses remind us that we are on an adventure of faith and that faith will face adversity. Faith will face adversity. And so being on this adventure of faith doesn't mean that we're skipping through fields of wildflowers and singing show tunes. Anyone have a faith like that? I don't know what's going on with you, but mine looks a little different. Faith will face adversity. What this tells us is that sometimes jumping in on an adventure of faith, chasing after Jesus, means that there will be moments when we need to stand up against evil in our world and we will need to rise up in the truth of the gospel. And when we have discovered this truth of the gospel that we learned last night, students, that Jesus changes everything. When he changes everything in us, he changes our desires and our passions. He calls us to live lives that are holy and righteous. And that means that we surrender what we may naturally be inclined to go towards or to chase after for the better thing. We surrender our desires for the better thing, which is to glorify God and to make him known. And when that is our passion, when glorifying God and making him known is truly the thing that grabs our hearts, our mouths will say the same thing that the psalmist says here in verses 23 and 24. He says, search me, O God. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So here's a spoiler alert, okay? I'm gonna tell us just right out of the gate what this means for us what having a wonder about God leads us to, what following him in this adventure of faith drives us towards, and what discovering this life-giving fact that Jesus changes everything really means for us. Okay, And this is true for you, whether you were in this room and you were a sixth grader or a seventh grader, or you are a ninth grader, a high school student, or a college student, whether you're a 20-something or a single young adult, whether you're a 36-year-old mom or dad, whether you're a 76-year-old with 13 kids and three grandkids, or you fall into some weird demographic that I didn't just mention. This is for all of us. What this passage is gonna show us is that we don't have to really worry about whether or not we are walking in God's will or not, because it answers this huge aching question that I believe is in the soul of every Jesus follower. It's gonna resolve this tension for us on what do we do next. You wanna know what it is? Grab a pen or pull out your notes up on your phone or post it to Facebook or whatever you do because I believe this big truth is what we need to wrestle with today. And I believe that if we grab this and we truly hold on to it, that it will change everything, that it will stir within us a passion in our soul in a way that is God-honoring, Christ-exalting, and Spirit-led. Are you ready? Here it is. God designed you to participate with him in restoring a broken world. Say it again. God designed you to participate with him in restoring a broken world. See, this whole thing isn't some unintentional plan. God doesn't just take us and toss us like spaghetti at a wall hoping that one of us sticks. That's not how this works. God designed you. And students, we talked about this earlier, right? That God knitted you. He formed you together. That he is the one who crafted you with clear intention and purpose. And what that means for us is that none of us are mistakes. None of us are accidents or oops. God has a plan and purpose for you. He designed you. It says in scripture that he knew your days and that they were all written down by God before days existed. God designed you. What did he design you for? To participate with him. God did not design you with this intention to drop you off on this planet, pat you on the back and wish you the best of luck. That's not our God. God has not left you, and he will never leave you. He wants you to participate with him in restoring this broken world. There is this relational aspect. Read those verses again, 23 and 24. The psalmist writes, "'Search me, O God, know my heart, Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Does an absent God search for us? No. Does an absent God know our hearts? No. Does he test us to know our thoughts or to remove sin from us? No. An absent God does not do that. A very near and present God who cares deeply about you does those things. God is with you. And he places a passion for him in your heart. He is the one who regenerates you. The scriptures would say that he takes our dead stone heart and replaces it with a heart of flesh that is alive and beating for the things of God. See, the desires desires of God don't come to you on your own. The pull that you feel to know God more and to be known by him, it doesn't come from you. None of us in our own natural inclinations would ever seek out God we are far too selfish and self-centered. We like to be God all on our own. We don't seek him on our own. But God, by his grace, regenerates our spirit and gives us a desire to know him and to receive his grace. The desire to kill the sin that trips us up doesn't come from us. It comes from the conviction of the Holy Spirit within us. Our desire to run hard after Jesus in this adventure of faith is birthed not in us of our own being, but by the spirit of God in us. The scripture tells us Christ in us is the hope of glory, not Christ outside of us, not Christ far away from us, Christ in us. God invites us to participate with him in our own sanctification, as well as in his heartbeat, which is that God has designed you to participate with him in restoring a broken world. This is not passive. Church, if all that Jesus is to you is filling these seats on a Sunday morning, can I tell you something? You're doing it wrong. Jesus changes everything, not just your weekend from 10 to 11.30. And when Jesus takes over us, it changes every aspect of us. And before we drift into a sense of self-righteousness, Christian in the room, hear me. We are a part of the broken world that needs restoring. Anytime you hear or you see someone who claims to be a Christian, like a public figure, and we watch them we see them fall into sin, what do we do? We do this thing like, man, can you believe that? I can't believe that guy fell. I can't believe she did that. Have we forgotten our own sin? Have we forgotten that we are just as guilty? Their platform may be more public but the consequences of our sin are the same, it is death. Our sin kills us. Our sin separates us from an incredible God who designed us. Our sin is a rebellion against the God of the universe and that penalty is one that we can never satisfy on our own. No amount of good works can cover what our sin has done. No amount of prayer can cover our sin. No amount of Bible study or proclaiming the gospel can cover our sin. No amount of living your life right, trying to follow Jesus can cover our sin. No amount of serving in homeless shelters or donating to children in impoverished countries or loving your neighbors or investing in your community can cover your sin. Only Jesus can do that. On the day of judgment, it says that many will cry out, Lord, Lord, and he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. May it not be so with us. May it not be so with us. But this is grace, that he who knew no sin became sin for us. He took our place. He bore our shame. He carried our cross. He died our death. He was mocked and spit on, and words were thrown at him, and the filth was thrown at him that we deserved. We are the broken world. We are the ones in need of restoring. And if it were not for God's work deep within us to do as the psalmist writes, to see if there is any grievous way in us and lead us in the way of everlasting, we would be hopelessly dead. Don't forget that. Without Christ, we are lost. But God designed you to participate with him in restoring a broken world. And my friends, that begins with our own hearts. And then it moves into the neighborhood. It moves into our classrooms, into our locker rooms, and into our Facebook news feeds. It moves into every aspect of how we live and we move and we breathe. So if you wanna know what God wants for your life, if you want your heart to break for what breaks his, You must proclaim his glory in word and in deed to all. You must glorify God and make him known and go into the places and spaces that he has placed you to be light in the darkness, to reflect his glory to a hopeless world. You participate with him in restoring a broken world, It is not passive and it is not about us. It is active and it is about Jesus. This is what our passion should be. Our passion should be to make much of Jesus every day to everyone. And that's something that we say around here all the time, but that should be more than a phrase that we say, it should be the ethos of our being. Because here's the deal, Jesus follower in this room from youngest to oldest, If you call NCC your home, I need you to know that I love you, but I need to be hard with us. If with your lips you say that you are about making much of Jesus every day to everyone, but with your life, you are all about yourself and no one matters more than you. If you say with your lips that you want to make much of Jesus every day to everyone, but no one in your workplace or in your classroom knows that you follow Jesus. If you say with your lips that you want to make much of Jesus every day to everyone, but your social media feed on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok or whatever's coming next week is filled with hate and anger and gossip and sex and lust, Can you do yourself a favor and close your mouth? Because the way I see it, if we are truly going to say that we want to make much of Jesus every day to everyone, we have two options. Either one, we repent and we get after it, or two, we shut our mouths because it is better for us to shut our mouths than to be spit out of his. If you can't say amen, you can say ouch. Y'all okay? To align our passion with the heart of God is not a flippant or a silly thing. Jesus changes everything. And so if, If Jesus really changes everything, if your life doesn't look much different now than you say that it did before Jesus, you may wanna see if you are still the one sitting on the throne of your heart or if you've truly surrendered that to Christ cry out like the psalmist. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. If there is anything in me, anything that grieves you, God, would you remove it? Lead me in the way everlasting. Confess your sin. Surrender your heart and your life to Christ. Accept the grace of God and follow him. This is much more than butts on seats in this room, church. This is every day of our lives, every breath that we breathe. And until Jesus changes everything, we are wasting our time. Until he changes everything, we are wasting it. May we not acknowledge him with our lips and let our hearts be far from him. But with everything we are, let's make it all about Jesus. See, it's been said that a world at its worst needs a church at its best. And I believe that to be true. And if you were a follower of Jesus in this room, you are a part of the bride of Christ. You are his church. So I speak to myself too when I say, let's stop acting. Let's start acting like the bride and stop acting like a prostitute. Let's be dedicated, committed, covenanted to Christ, having our desires and our, and our passions completely surrendered to him, rather than holding the hand of Jesus while we are drooling with lust over the things of this world. If he changes everything, let him change everything. Students, I've been speaking directly all weekend because I know you can handle it. We had that conversation night one, right? be a better church than we have been. Follow Jesus with reckless abandon and do not let anyone stop you. Go after him with everything you are, with every heartbeat, may it be the same as the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. And if anyone tells you to shut up up about Jesus, you love them like all you can and you just keep going. Don't let anyone stop you. Adults, come alongside these young men and women. Pray for them, guide them. Do not push them away. Do not stay away out of fear. Mentor them, let them learn from your victories in the faith and let them see your failures. So when they encounter them, they'll know it's okay. Jesus is still better. Don't believe the lies of Satan that they don't want to hear from you or that they don't need you. You have immense value. Immense value. Church, we must be more about the next generations than we are our own. The very nature of discipleship is to instill the truths of Jesus into the lives of those that are coming along behind us so that this irresistible gospel moves forth like wildfire throughout the world. That's what discipleship is. It's looking at someone else that doesn't know Jesus quite well yet, and you go, come alongside me, follow me, learn from my mistakes and my failures, and we're going to wade into this messy adventure of faith together. I care deeply about the young men and women of this church. And honestly, if we had to shut down every ministry but one at NCC, I would leave family life wide open. If it meant that I could never sing another song from the stage, but our children and our students would know and understand who Jesus is and would learn to follow him, I would do it tomorrow. Because it's worth it. See, I have three daughters in our family ministry here at NCC, Riley, Raina, and Autumn. And by the year 2030, my eight-year-old will be graduated from high school. My five-year-old will be looking at a learner's permit, and my three-year-old will officially be a teenager, even though she acts like one now. And 10 years from now, I pray to God that they will be young women who are seeking after Jesus with everything they are. I pray that they will chase after the deep things of God. But do you want to know what keeps me up at night? Marbles. You heard me right marbles, I have three marbles in my hand. See, I have these jars in my office and they have one marble for every week of my daughter's lives from birth until they graduate high school. And every Monday morning, I go into my office and I pull a marble out and I pray for my daughter's sometimes I'll hold them in my hand and I'll just, I'll pray and I'll thank God for them. Sometimes I'll carry them around in my pocket for a little bit just to think about them. Three marbles. You know, statistically, one in every three students who grows up in church will walk away by the time they hit college. There's some Monday mornings, if I allow fear to creep in, I start asking my questions, and I go, God, which one? Is it Riley? Or Raina? Is it Autumn? Pray like my life depends on it, but it's none of them. This is why family ministry is so important. Because those statistics, do you know how they drop significantly? When a student has another adult other than mom and dad that is investing in their life during their middle school and high school years. It drops significantly. This is why Kristen and I have other godly men and women in our home, in our missional community. Because here's the deal, one day and hopefully not too soon, my daughters will become frustrated with me. They won't wanna talk to Kristen or I about something. We've all been a son or daughter, we know what it's like to not wanna talk to mom and dad about something, right? And there will come a day when they won't want to come talk to me. Riley won't want to go to Kristen, but she can talk to Lenny or Nikki or Sarah. Raina may not want to dive in deep with me at a certain moment, and that's okay, because she can talk to Rose, Renee, or Shannon. Do you see it? So there will come a point when Autumn, my sweet little Autumn, will not want to discuss the finer things of life with me, or she'll have questions about boys, and so she really won't want to talk to me. And something that I will be praising God for is Hannah, because I know that Autumn can talk to her. I'll be praising God for Amber, because I know that she will pray for my girls the same way that Kristen and I would. I know that they will point them to the same truths of Scripture that her mom and I would. This is what it means to build our lives on the passions of Jesus. It is to make much of him in the lives of others. North Canton Chapel, our family life team should never have a shortage of volunteers willing to invest in the lives of our children and our students. If they do, it should be because of one of two things. Number one, we're doing it really right. And it's exploding so fast back there that we are just holding on with two hands going, God, what are you doing? Or number two, it is a great indictment that we do not believe in discipleship as much as we say we do. It starts today, church. Here's what I'm gonna ask of us in this moment. The BBC team is gonna come back and they're gonna lead us in this song that we have been singing all weekend long. It's a song called Build My Life. And this is not a time for you to pack your stuff up. This is a time for you to decide how all in you actually are. If everyone would stand please. Students look at me. Embrace the wonder of who God is. Follow him in the adventure of faith that he calls you on. Grab hold of these deep truths of the gospel and do not let them go. Make your life all about Jesus. Don't let anyone stop you. As they sing, I want you to pray what that psalmist prays. Search me, God, know my heart. Remove any sin from within me and lead me in your ways. Adults in this room, I want you to pray the exact same thing. Search me, God, know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts. Remove the sin from within me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is what I'm gonna ask us to do. During this Psalm, adults in this room, if there's a student near you, they're all up here. I'll tell you where they are. I want you to come and pray over them. I want you to pray that they would be a better church than we have been because they are more obedient to Christ than we have been. I want you to pray that Jesus would transform them and through them, he would change the world. Make it weird. It's cool. We're all here. Because here's the deal, it's better to pray and make it weird than not pray at all, right? Push past the awkward, it's better that way. Let us lay down our fears. One of my favorite things about this church is that every Sunday morning we gather and there are five generations that sit in this room, but five generations are worthless if they are siloed. We are one family under one name, Jesus, and he changes everything for us. So church, let's make this more than the weekend and let's make it our lives. So as they sing, I'm not gonna pray or anything like that, I'm not counting to three, we're just gonna go. Got it? Deal? Let's go.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the North Canton Chapel Podcast. Thanks again for joining us. May you go out into your places and spaces making much of Jesus every day to everyone.